Hey, it's Tardy the Party. He's Bill Mudder, and I'm Daniel Rudis. We watch Disney movies in Avatar. That's what we do now. Hey, nothing but cartoons. Yeah, we can change the name of the podcast. Until this podcast explodes. Then. Yeah, it is werewolf. Unless you pick a couple live-action things on your way to wrapping up Disney through the decades, yeah, we are nothing but cartoons. I do like the fact, well... I, I was gonna say, I do like the fact that we're covering such a wide spectrum of animation, what with you doing the Disney stuff and me doing Avatar The Last Airbender, but it's still a white western. I was gonna say, like, yeah, I forgot, like, I always, for some reason, part of my mind keeps on misremembering Avatar as being anime, but I, but it's not. Um, I it's guess just because heavily, it's kind of anime influenced. influenced. By it. Yeah. yeah. Um, obviously, yeah, with all the cheap stuff. Yeah, we're doing uh, this. Is our second Avatar episode. I get what? What would what, what would decide to call this? Avatarity to the party. Avatarity to the party. Avatarity to the party. This is our second episode covering the episodes. And as always, we're doing four episode batches now, as opposed to the two that we had originally thought of. So, yeah, we are on our second four episode batch. So that means we're covering episodes five through eight of the first mm-hmm. season of Avatar: The Last Airbender, which means we're talking about the episodes. The King of Omashu, Imprisoned, Winter Solstice Part 1, and Winter Solstice Part 2 today. And did you get a chance, because we were just talking about before we started recording it, you had a sick kid. Did you get a chance to watch all four episodes? Don't do that. Daniel is gone. As always, Daniel's internet is terrible. This is actually ideal. Because I could easily... I said it before, but I could easily sit here and wax philosophical about Avatar all, all right, by myself forever. We could talk about... Okay, I'm back. Oh, no, you ruined it. I was having such a good time with you not being here. <laughs> I was about to go into a spiel about spoilers for the future. But yeah. Well, I plugged, the, I plugged it directly in. I think I, think I might have just figured it out. I think the, like, Ethernet plug on my computer might be a little bit finicky oh like the actual hardware not just the not like the cable but like yeah. the actual hardware itself yeah just because yeah. i just pushed it in a little bit harder and oh like, and that's okay. what yeah. okay yeah. so yeah let this be known that even if it breaks i'm totally fine covering it until you come back i know oh god but yeah so yeah we're talking about those four episodes today which also it sounded especially bad because i had just asked right i don't know if you heard my question but i had uh-uh. asked if you had a chance to watch all four episodes because mm-hmm. you had a sick kid, and there was nothing but deafening silence, and I was like, oh no. <laughs> oh, no, I, I watched all, all four of them. All four episodes, yeah. Yes. Oh my god, so... It was, because you had a sick kid, you didn't get a chance to take notes, because I think... No. Not, not that we always have to do a blow-by-blow, blow, but like it is kind of nice just to... I think part of the joy of a podcast like this is at least kind of breaking down the synopsis of every episode because you know that's the whole point yeah. of like a chronological journal oh yeah i was like man i'm going sit down i'm gonna take notes i'm gonna focus up and like have some thoughts and i then, totally picture like, you sitting down crisscross applesauce in front of the tv uh-huh. with a notepad out and all like licking the pencil so you can start taking your <laughs> notes until your kid just comes over projectile vomits in your face and you're yeah. like ah oh, shit but yeah there's not a lot to say because because, um, well, the, fir- the, the the first episode is uh, half of it is just them just sliding down a hill. So yeah. there's that. That's well, a lot of people point to the first episode that we're talking today as being uh, the show's real first filler episode. Mm. Even though strands of this end up coming back later in the series, 
it's still like yeah it's 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 king of amashu it's the uh ang gang um they go to check out uh a, a kingdom where uh ang used to have a friend used to it's an earth kingdom uh city where Aang there's used to have no a way there. they did they were so subtle with who that <laughs> king of that place was gonna be man I have to admit, what a tw- what an amazing twist! The what first an amazing time I saw twist. this, I did job, not necessarily guys. see that coming. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it, it, this is yeah. They 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 go into the city. Aang has to dress up like an old man. Yeah, they oh, literally man, do spend. I'm, I'm I'm scanning through it now. It is like the first half of the entire goddamn episode is just them sliding, and there's you know some fine action stuff. They fuck up yeah. this cabbage. Vendor a couple oh, they times. love that cabbage joke. <laughs> the only thing that makes it more funnier is that guy wanted them to murder them. For Does he chop say off he their heads? Oh, really? Yes, he says cut off their heads, one for each of my cabbages. Well, you know, it's cabbages, like, damn. If you spent your entire life doing nothing but growing cabbages, you'd get pretty, you'd get pretty sour tempered too. But I guess yeah. because who the, who wants to eat a cabbage? I mean, in lieu of nothing else, I guess cabbages. Cabbages are good. Like if you eat egg rolls and stuff like that, cabbages can be in good stuff. Cabbages they, tend yeah, to find their they, way in a lot of. You never stuff. say, mm, "This cabbage is delicious." Yeah, no one says like. Even I hate coleslaw, and even people I know who love coleslaw are never like, "I love this coleslaw." It's always the most like, "Okay, well no. that's coleslaw," or like fucking. Isn't I mean, sauerkraut it, like, made out of cabbage? You, okay. I don't know. Sauerkraut's one of the most disgusting things on God's green yeah, earth. My dad loved to make sauerkraut and that shit. Oh, fuck. Oh, my fuck. sister would crack open a, a, a jar of sauerkraut and just dip her fingers in and pull out sauerkraut and eat it. And I would gag. What? Oh, man. That's because even then. No. Sauerkraut's got like the consistency of like wet pubic hair. Like, why would you want to do that? At least I could that see if it's like gross. served with like a hot sausage or something like that. You like, have to, like all- all oh, my sisters no. would eat Rubens, and I was they. No. I'm like, that looks fine. And then there's a, and then you put sauerkraut on there. You're like, Ugh. Oh, so yeah, so that's the whole reason they end up meeting the king is they get captured by the guards, and yeah, the cabbage vendor. I I do want these guys to die. Um, yeah, that is one of the most disappointing things about the world building of Avatar is the fact that cabbage. Is it exist. they don't murder them? Oh. <laughs> well, but like, if you're gonna world build, like. I, th- I think the only thing that keeps Star Wars from being totally ruined now by Disney is the fact that, like, all they have to do is introduce the idea that cabbages exist in Star Wars now, and I, I can finally just wash my hands in Star Wars. <laughs> <Done>. <laughs> You've crossed the cabbage threshold. Mm. Uh, but, so yeah, they meet King Boomy. King Boomy suddenly randomly decides he needs to... He, well, he captures uh, Katara and Sokka, uh, puts these little Geminites rings on them? Which yeah. later turn out to be just sugar candy, rock candy, but it grows all over Sokka and Katara. My abiding memory of this episode is just the visual of Sokka and Katara com- almost completely encased in like the v- inverted and non-inverted crystal funnels that and, like Sokka falls over. Uh-huh. I want to think about this episode. That's the like the one visual I always think of. I'm thinking of that image I've been seeing online. Uh, the last couple of days is written by a writer's barely contained fetish. Has that been a thing? But yeah, I could. T- yeah. Well, if that was not the writer's fetish, I'm sure that's kickstarted a fetish. Again, a kid's cartoon where something happens to someone. Every episode of Avatar The Last Airbender undoubtedly 
contain something that kickstarted a fetish in someone but like yeah, <laughs> yeah. that could almost be a sub game we could play throughout the series is like what fetish did Spot this episode <laughs> inspire and so, yeah, uh, Bo- oh, Boomy, there's a lot of bad jokes where he's, Boomy sits down with Katara and, and, and Aang and Sokka, and there's lots of jokes about lettuce and lettuce leaf and lettuce leaf. Uh, mm-hmm. I do like the fact that Sokka thinks all of Boomy's jokes are fucking hilarious. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which I just, that's, I, I gotta love Sokka because he loves terrible dad humor. Mm-hmm. And uh, I like dad humor. Yeah. But uh, Boomy eventually captures uh, yeah, so- Sokka and Katara and says, Hey, Aang, you have to do my challenges in order to get them back. And uh, Aang does. There's a challenge where Aang has to... Um, what is it like? Get a key get from a, a key. waterfall. And Man, he- I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if it's because these... I no, he can't say that. We're only four episodes, five episodes in. He can't only probably be like, man, no, that no, is the no, sign no. of the Roseanne. It's... Man, we could be doing no, something better. No, it's not that. <laughs> it's just, it's all kids shows that Yeah. the kids are always just, the characters in them are just kind of dumb. Yeah. And like, the solution to certain things is just like, why don't you just create a huge air blast that stops the water from pouring down, eh? To or be something fair, like that, you know? Because this but is the first... A, it, it is a kid's show. You ha- just have to keep reminding yourself that it's a kid's show. And, you know, it's not like you can go watch Sesame Street and be like, It's the letter R, you idiot! <laughs> and that's one of the things that really makes this episode feel like a filler. Because it takes a while for Aang to figure... And it just, like, randomly... Like, there's no reason Boomy would have to, like, make Aang do these... Like, everything Boomy does... I mean, I know they, they hand-wave it away as being Boomy's kind of insane that justifies why he does all this stuff in this episode yeah but it does feel just like because he ended up finding out that boomy is ang's old best friend and and while that's a cute little reveal at the end it kind of makes the episode even that much more feel like a filler because like why did he do all this stuff to begin with and Mm. and yeah and even within the structure of each of the challenges each of the challenges go on a little bit longer than they have to like yeah i mean i do appreciate the thought process of like the show is still coming up with new ways to use airbending, and so mm-hmm. it's kind of interesting from that perspective, just kind of seeing, like, okay, exactly how would you use air against, like, a heavy waterfall of water to get to something in the middle? And I guess the idea that he uses, like, also, essentially, like, I an airbender think- slice to, yeah, to cut through the waterfall so he can, like, pierce it with a rock, with a stalactite, I w- yeah. I was like, there should be a ton of wind in there, because when, you know, waterfalls fall down, yeah, it, it creates sprays a big up gust. A, yeah. a huge gust of wind that um, could use, but, yeah. Also, you, know, you think Katara, like, it's a little bit weird, because I don't know if you can do bending while being physically constrained. Because you think even Katara, within... Like, she's watching all this happen, and she's got a, the waterfalls right there. You think she can manipulate? I don't know. But, but yeah, he does that, and there's a thing where, like, he has to go... Boomy has a pet bunny named Flopsy that he has to go catch, but it turns out it's not a bunny. It's this giant, like, goat ape <laughs> that yeah. is chasing the bunny. And so Aang has to figure that out. It would be... I think this would be a little more interesting if it was more specifically, like, okay, this is the challenge of strength versus this is the challenge of intellect versus this is the challenge of, like endurance but even then it's not even phrased that way uh but the last thing he has to fight boomy <laughs> and so well, yeah, last, he has like... to pick he has to pick uh somebody to fight against and he picks the old man that oh, he's gonna he's because he, right. he wants to kick the old man's ass and he's like you ever seen dragon ball z <laughs> and then he takes off his i did see the trivia for this episode the original idea was the whole point of this 
was supposed mm -hmm. to be to reveal that, like, you can be a powerful bender without being physically strong. And the idea that, like... But the... they made him buff as shit! No, but that's the thing, because the original <laughs> idea, he was supposed to stay an old crone hunched over a man, but he could mm. bend... Because the idea, like, yeah, because it's a, it's a personal energy thing, and it's not, like, a muscle thing. And mm -hmm. so, but then someone drew a picture of Boomy all ripped, and they were like, oh, that actually looks cool enough, we should do that instead. <laughs> so it just all turned into Boomy being super ripped and doing all this stuff, but... Yeah, and this is the first time we really get to see earthbending within the show. Um, there, like, it, I do like the physicality of earthbending, because even though the original point of this episode, I guess, was to show that, like, you can bend without being physically powerful, this does really insinuate that, like, you need to be physically, because, like, they show Boomy doing all this, like, like hunched over stances, and we have to connect with the ground, and it's like, if anything, it seems like earthbending is the mo most physical of the bending arts, just because it's so, like, I, I love there's a little bit where, like, he's essentially, like, bouncing around with a pinball, like, a pinball with all these, uh, rocks, mm. uh, spikes that are coming out of the ground. And, like, mm -hmm. Boomy's walking back and forth in this weird way to kind of, like, make the earth erupt beneath Aang's feet, which is kind of weird. But, like, yeah, it's, 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 it's kind of interesting. But, like, I can't even, how does Aang even beat him? I can't even remember. Um, uh, he, like, see. bursts through one of his rocks and, like, points his staff Because there's a lot of that, yeah, because he is trying to, like, it is interesting, too, because the whole idea of, I guess, airbending is that it's all about evasion Whereas earthbending is so rooted in just brute physicality, they're kind of like two elements that are the most diametrically opposed to each other in terms of, like, how you bend and the whole philosophy behind the those elements and stuff. But yeah, so I guess Aang eventually does beat Boomy, and they, yeah, Boomy is just like, oh, we're friends! It's all just rock candy! Here, I'll give you some snacks to go along your way! Now you gotta figure out my name! Who can do? Yeah, and that's a little bit like, and then you find out it's... I, in the in the end, that's the major worth of this episode is just letting Aang connect, reconnect with a blow. One of the few still living parts of his past, which is sweet. Mm -hmm. And then you get to see they they do some roller coastering at the end together, which is very sweet. But that's the real value of this episode is just that little mm -hmm. bit of connection that Aang gets to meet, make with uh, King Boomy. But yeah, it's yeah me. <laughs> this is not making a case. For Avatar the Air at Last Airbender being that great of a show. When, no, like, it's a, no, it's fine. It's not a terrible episode, but it is. No. But like even within the community, people are like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> is there a... Because yeah. I'm looking at the like episode. I'm not reading the future titles just in case there's oh, yeah. spoilers. But I was looking at the Wikipedia. There are some is there spoilers a in the... Yeah. Is there a preferred animation studio? Because I see they bounce back and forth between I, I, you know what JM I was Animation and DR Movie. I I'm sure I'm sure if you did some deep digging there would be because I know there's like tiny tunes there's certain uh, yeah. animation studios that just suck balls and that's actually um not to bring up Raymond Fernandez again who uh sent us a fabulous email I can't remember if I've mentioned him on our first Avatar episode or if it was just at the end of one of this Disney through the decades episodes it was a Sleeping Beauty okay but yeah um Raymond Fernandez uh he sent us a, a fantastic email uh Essentially saying, hey, you guys, if you guys do get the time, you should check out Legend of Korra. It's Korra, definitely worth yeah. the, the, the effort. And the only reason I bring that up, aside from thank you very much for the for the uh, email, uh, Raymond, was that's one of the big things that people make fun of Legend of Korra because um, partway through the Legend of Korra, Nickelodeon kind of cheapened out and tried to get like a super dirt cheap animation studio involved. And so mm. there's a couple episodes of that, like, like... It's it's funny that you bring up what like are there different studios 
involved because I wouldn't notice that during this, during uh, Avatar The Last Airbender. But in Korra, man, it is like, there's some episodes there that look like they're fucking drawn by children. Like, the only one or two episodes, and they got rid of that super <laughs> dirt cheap animation studio real quickly, but like, that's also, one of the things people make fun of Korra for, is like, oh boy. Yeah. Does it look like that that new animated uh, Night of the Living Dead cartoon <laughs> that I saw the trailer for? Oh, man, I don't know if it looks that bad, but like, <laughs> oh, 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 why would you do that? Why would you waste all that time and money to re Because I saw that too, and I was like, oh, well, that's, that's, that's something, in, that's not the worst idea, because like, Night of the Living Dead is not that well made of a movie, and you could definitely improve upon it, or at least like update the characters. You could like still almost do a remake, but have it take place today. But no, it's they just traced over the like all the characters look exactly the same and act exactly the same. Like so, not only is it just like, do you get the worst of both worlds where it's like this terrible animation, but it's also inheriting all the inherent like cinematic flaws of the original film. So it's like, why? What's the doubly like? What's the point of that? But yeah. Yeah, but yeah, so that's a good point. Because I did notice, I can't remember if it's, there's at least one of the episodes in this where someone moves in a certain way, whereas like, I think I was reminded of how one of the characters were moving in the pilot when, I think when Kataro was freaking out about sewing Sokka's socks, the way she moved, I was like, oh, mm -hmm. that's very much like, like, there's like one specific animator who like, yeah, so you can totally tell it's like the one was the uh, same animation studio. But yeah, I didn't even consider about like, which I guess it makes sense. You would for for a TV show like this, you might want to bounce back and forth between, especially at least with a traditionally animated show like this. I guess when you're doing CGI, you can, it might be a little bit easier to have a single animation studio tackling the whole thing, like the Dragon Prince or like all those Netflix shows. But yeah, so and my only note about the King of Amashu is I just like the line. First of all, it's pretty fun messing with people, which that's yeah. King Boomy's entire excuse for everything that's happened hey. in the episode. I do like that yeah. hand wave. Yeah. yeah. Um, Did you have friends like that? Because no. I've been listening to, on your recommendation, to, the Fire Escape podcast. And yeah. They were talking on one of the episodes how how Dan Riker and his like all his friends growing up like to break each other's balls and be complete assholes to each other. <laughs> I, I never had that. It's to a certain extent. I mean, I like I like to tease my friends and whatnot, but I wouldn't say I'd like break their balls and be like, "Look at you, your nose is ugly." Oh, um, like not to the point you just sit there and physically insult other people. Yeah, but like, I definitely like. Well, look at me all the time. I'm always like, "Boopa doopa doo," stupid joke, stupid <laughs> joke. But like, that's the extent I would do. But like, yeah, I think, yeah, I think a lot of people do have friends who like to break their balls, but, like, exactly what constitutes breaking balls versus just, like, fucking with other people. Like, I've definitely been friends with people who like to fuck with other people. I consider breaking balls to be, uh, it's offensive until you say, hey, I'm just breaking your balls. Here. That's the kind of thing, right? When you get to the point <laughs> yeah. where, like, somebody's feelings might actually start get to get hurt, and then you have to be like, oh, we're just breaking your balls, and that calms everything down. I've never been consistently, fr I've been around people like that. And it's also isn't funny. that kind of isn't that just kind of Pittsburgh? Yeah, that's kind of a little blue collar working class. Hey, I'm just gonna fuck with you just to fuck with you. Mm -hmm. And it is funny too. Like, I used to live with a guy named John who was an alcoholic who loved to break balls, mm. and it was always great because he loved to break balls. And we, <clears throat> not that we were terrorized by by him, but we had to put up with this <laughs> shit so often. But then he had friends who would come over and break his balls. And it was always mm -hmm. funny to see him be on the on the on the on the receiving end, 
And it's funny how some people just have a natural relationship with other people where they're just always going to be the one whose balls get broken, and the other person is always going to be the one doing the breaking of the balls. But then, like, you see someone else come in, and you see that relationship flip, and, the other, like, this person who's always been so used to just doing the breaking of the balls suddenly getting their balls broken all the time that, like, they can't break out of it, and it's just hilarious. Ah, it's, it's, like, that kind of ball-breaking hierarchy among people is always kind of interesting to me so but yeah that's mm-hmm. that's a good definition of ball breaking is when yeah it's borderline actually legitimately insulting <laughs> but yeah what the hell well, are yeah. we talking about talking about the second episode of avatar League. oh okay hey um I'm, uh does boomy ever come back maybe why what's up oh okay i was just curious oh yeah no that that's that's one of the nice things because uh, uh it it could i uh, it, since you keep calling it like a filler episode, he could have just been a one-off. There's which that, would make it a true filler episode. And that's that's one of the things about this show. There's like a very as as TV shows starting in the '90s starting getting better about being um not sequential because that's mm-hmm. how time works. Um, <laughs> what's it called when you have TV shows with, with overreaching arcs? Um, uh... but my, my, my point is that like, unlike Star Trek, the next generation and shows like that, and of course all TV shows before that, where everything was very like every episode kind of exists within itself. Although actually Star yeah. Trek, the next generation is not the greatest example because there were times they would call back to other things that happened in old episodes, but, um, yeah. Like when Q said, what happened to the beard? I like the beard. Yeah, exactly. And stuff like that. Although that's not really a plot thing. That's just a little thing. But, like, starting with, like, the X-Files and Buffy the Vampire Slaver, Slayer, you started having TV shows that would more consistently mix, like, standalone Monster of the Week episodes with, like, episodes that were very, that would progress, like, the overall arc of the show forward. Mm-hmm. And I know, um, on both those shows, people would kind of complain about the Monster of the Week episodes, because they were tend to be standalone and kind of acted as filler. Uh, even then, there's sometimes even those, like, quote-unquote filler episodes that could be just a monster of the week episode there might be something that happens at the end of that episode which might like tie into like the the overarching arc but usually it's not nothing that it's usually nothing that couldn't be covered in the next episodes like previously on buffy the vampire slayer Mm. but it seems like tv shows have gotten better since then at like consistently not every it's, it's not always that like filler episode lore episode or arc episode checkerboarding like the this the story is more consistently mixed into every episode there's not such a queen uh clean division between monster of the week episodes and filler episodes and like the, the, the episodes that move the, the the overarching story of the series forward and so avatar tends to fall into the latter thing where it, it there are like one-off episodes where it's just like oh we're just gonna do the goofy little thing and and like yeah th- th- that was the first episode where um Iroh and uh, Zuko don't even show up, right? In the correct, yeah. oh yeah, yeah, no, yeah, um, yeah. So it's that kind of thing where like they're not even there to push the story forward. It's just the characters like fucking. Um, but God, I had a point to say with all that stuff. But like, yeah, my I guess my point is just like this is Avatar just kind of clinging a little more of the. Like I think I think Legend of Korra did more of an even mix of like every story pushed the. Push the story of the series forward, even if there was a lot of like stuff within every episode. You can kind of consider as being fluff, but yeah. Mm-hmm. But, 
So yeah, that's that's. But yeah, so now we're talking about the imprisoned. What the hell episode is this? So just watch. This oh, this night. is the one where she is. Uh, man, I did not like her in this episode. Oh, Katara. Yeah. Oh, so they go so yeah. full of yay guys. Just <laughs> stand up for yourself, and you can do it. Burfter. Yeah. Oh, the, the, the Katara grows and, from this. The, she does not stay like, like this throughout the entire series, but it is like and like she has to get captured because some guy gets captured because of her because he did earth bedding, and then they gotta go out. They, she has to get captured it to is. figure out where they're taking the prisoners. But shouldn't people know that they're taking the prisoners to this giant barge you can see from the shore? Yeah, it is weird how the characters, the main characters, the Aang gang, but, are so blasé about being captured. Oh man, they 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 could all be taken off to get murdered. They don't know. Executed. They have no. Especially, I think this episode could have worked better if we're a little bit farther in the series and we get to see how non-ruthless the firebending army can be. But like, for this to be the first time the characters actually get captured by the firebenders. But like it does, it's know? like they're playing. They're like makes the, it makes the characters look like kind of idiots, especially Katara, mm-hmm. just because it's so like. And the fact that she thinks she can just roll in there and and give a heartwarming speech and like <laughs> oh, cha- man, change the turn was... of the like, turn of the tide of oh. the political landscape of what's going on with these people, it is very. I mean, to be fair, at least she does go in there and she is rebuffed, and she it is mm-hmm. the, the the show shows her to be wrong. Although not for long, because it's eventually people Although, rise up. But yeah, it's, one thing. Yeah. One thing oh, that no. I had take take a bit of issue with about this episode <laughs> in particular is yeah. they get there and he's like, "So this whole thing is made of iron, and none of you Earthbenders can do anything with that." And then later they're like, "Hey, wait! There's a bunch of coal down there, also known as Earth. Why is coal <laughs> Earth, but iron isn't? That also comes from the Earth. What's going on here?" That's a good question. And, cause What's like- what? It, what is like, what is this? Is, is is metal not just like minerals? Yeah. Yeah. Um. <laughs> isn't cold like just what? What are we doing? Yeah. Cause I cause oh, you can't burn rocks, but you can burn. Oh, I didn't. I was I, again with me not having most seen most of these episodes since the first aired. I forgot how that worked, and I was like. A weird division that's an arbitrary like what's up with that yeah. um but yeah so like is this oh this is just a single episode but yeah so the idea is that like i guess so the physical landscape of the world of avatar is that you've got the south pole and the north pole that's where the water tribes are the two water mm-hmm. tribes the northern and southern water tribes and in the middle you have this giant landmass, which is the earth kingdom so that's why the characters are suddenly in the earth kingdom for most of the episodes that we're talking about mm. now and uh, off to the side, you have an island chain. That's where the Fire Nation is from, but it's not really on the path in between that that they're taking from the the, the two poles. And so that's yeah, that's why we're seeing uh, suddenly seeing about a lot of Earth Kingdom stuff right now. And so yeah, the characters are still in the Earth Kingdom. They run into a city where all the men have been captured. It seems mostly uh, they go shop. Oh, they're out of food. That's what it is. They're just down to eating nuts, so they go into local town to get some food, but it turns out, like, yeah, most of the men in town have been arrested yeah, and taken to the ship, and that's when Katara's like, oh, that's fucked up. We, can, we only, need to... yeah. can only dudes earthbend? Oh, no, 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 anyone can earthbend. Well, not anyone, okay. but, like, it's not. Yeah, that's the weird thing to think, like, earth. I can't, I don't remember. There might have been ladies on that 
barge. I don't know. I, wasn't I, I don't that think close so. Attention. That's that's a good point. I don't think we've seen a woman bender outside of Katara this entire time. That's a good point. Granted, we're only five episodes in, but like, mm -hmm. yeah. Uh, but yeah. So Katara decides that she's gonna rescue everybody by getting herself arrested with fake water bending. Or fake mm -hmm. rock bending, because I guess for some reason it would make a difference that if they think she's an an earth bender versus a water bender, so they do this thing where they pretend to lift this rock with an airflow. Like I guess there's a, like, well, I guess this is a this is a mining community, and so yeah. the whole reason the Fire Nation is here in this particular town is because they've been forcing, they've been capturing earth benders and forcing them to mine coal in the mines. And so, so they go to the, wait. Yeah. So they're forcing them to mine the coal, but they can't get the coal to bend it. I yeah, because you think. How are they mining benders, that? How is it that like, how is an airbender the first one to be like, oh, earthbenders can bend coal, so they can use that as a weapon. So how like why didn't the earthbenders not think of that before? Because they're the ones mining the fucking coal. And if that's, like, the most abundant substance was in the city, it, it, then what it, the fuck? Was George Takei just like, you can't bend iron? And they were just like, well, I guess we have to believe him. My only note about this Let's episode... Let's not even try. Uh, is, is George Takei as the as the firebender warden? I guess I didn't make, need, need to make a note of that, because it's so, yeah. like, hello there. <laughs> yeah. Ooh, oh my. <laughs> Um, but there is not a lot to say <laughs> about this. <laughs> <laughs> it's really worth it just for you to do, have an excuse for you to do. Pretty much, today. yeah. I've never gotten to do my George <sighs> Takei before. But yeah, that really is the whole episode. Uh, fucking Aang shows up and says, hey, motherfuckers can use coal, and they escape. And that's it. That's the end of the... Yeah. For for an episode that's technically moving the story along a lot more than the, the, the boomy King of Omashu episode, <laughs> this episode actually feels like more of a filler. <laughs> Oh, the great! You, you have to mention the great zinger though when they drop the George Takei in the water. He says, "I can't swim," and the the, the dad says, uh, "Your cowards float." Great, oh. you got him. <laughs> and it's this hey, also, why of... was that? Why was that like sixteen-year-old kid's dad like eighty-seven years old? Yeah, <laughs> I what? guess just to, just I mean, to go get it, Grandpa. I guess it's to make, like, the men of the, 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 the city that much more feeble. But, mm. like, to explain why they could all be so easily captured by the Fire Nation. Also, the fact that, like, the Earthbenders are flinging coal at these Firebenders. Wouldn't the coal combust? And the, the, yeah, the Firebenders then could be able to use that as a weapon to, like, throw ah, back yeah. at the, like... The, yeah, this is... This is like, how, good... far, how far away can you, like, get something? Couldn't they summon up the the floor from underneath the platform or something the like yeah exactly like exactly what's the range of bending can you bend through other elements like exactly could you like lift yeah that's a look that's a good question so i know they explain this a little bit in the last episode we're gonna talk about today yeah, okay. but um i can't remember if it was this no it was something i was just thinking about last night when i was going to sleep i was like Fire's kind of the weakest ass element out of all the ones that you can fight against because you can you can you can get rid of fire with air by blowing yeah. it away. Well, you just you can get rid of it with deprivation if you and yeah, you can block yeah. it with earth. You you can smother it with earth. You can get water. rid of it with yeah. water. Obviously, you can you can what? more extinguish but, you can more easily extinguish fire with water than you can 
You, yeah. It's going to be harder to burn away water with fire. But they're the ones that everybody's like, oh no, fire! I guess that's the one benefit they have is the fact that they can just spontaneously generate their element. I think I... that's the only thing that really keeps them, like, makes them a threat. Because if they were, like, in the movie where they have to use whatever fire source happens to be around, then it would just be extra just, like, you guys are useless. <laughs> but that's I mean, a good point, I, I, yeah. would, I would say that Earth is the most powerful. Yeah. Uh, well, to, there's also... I mean, uh, so some of these things are addressed within the show later, but, mm -hmm. like, there is kind of reason why the Earth Kingdom is, like, this huge presence within the world. Uh, I mean, we later find out it's uh, the, 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 the Fire Nation has not completely conquered the Earth Kingdom. Um, well, obviously not, because Boomer's place was just... Yeah, that was, it was under they its own fine. control. So, yeah, so even after 100 years, the Fire Nation has not completely conquered the, the, the Earth Kingdom. And and the, and then st this stuff shows exactly why because like, un unless there's extreme circumstances that somehow give the firebenders a magical edge, like there's like yeah a thousand like a hundred firebenders would only be as good as like maybe only a handful of earthbenders you would think because yeah you can't burn earth or at least not that well. And yeah, exactly, not even yeah. coal. Yeah, <laughs> or coal. But, yeah, so the big thing is, I guess they do rescue all the, the previous generation of the old men, and was it <laughs> They're like, thanks for giving us that speech, young girl. You it is couldn't like, have done it without you. Yeah, it's 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 almost kind of a bummer for the for a Katara to be shown that she's right, because her plan was so stupid. Oh, like, so stupid. I and mean, she only really got saved by Aang showing up and inspiring everyone to use rocks. But again, it's these people should not have had, oh. needed Aang to tell them that they could move rocks. Move Another th In the yeah. last one with Boomer, they were going to that Earth, like, Boomer's place. And they're like, hey, you, you better, we don't want anybody to find out you're the Avatar. Shouldn't everywhere that's not the fire... People be like, fuck yeah, Avatar. Because this is the yeah, person yeah, who's supposed yeah. to put things right. Exactly, yeah. yeah. Why would I, you hide him from anyone? There, there, besides the fire. That does become more of a thing. Explaining why some people might choose to side with the Avatar versus against. But, yeah. But, like, especially early on, you would think everyone would be like, yeah, fuck yeah. Although, like, I know it's a big celebration that they managed to rescue everyone from the these Fire Nation troops at the end of this episode. But there is still, like, what what keeps more firebending troops coming up and replacing the regime that they just threw out? Yeah. Like, it's this, it is, and, like, no one makes mention of that. I mean, they it's not like that boats. does become more of a thing, but, like, right now, it's, like, yeah, I don't know, it's a little... It mm -hmm. seems very kid showish. And I guess in terms of plot stuff, the only thing that uh, really happens at the end that's remarkable is that Katara has lost her necklace, which I guess earlier mm. in the episode she explained to... The, the the earth bending kid I forgot I forget what his name is um but she explained to him that um god damn uh, she explained that her necklace was is her only thing she has left from her mom I guess her mom had made that necklace mm -hmm. and uh, and she, I guess it, she lost it somehow during the events of the show and that uh, you see sock or not Sokka, Zuko as at, at the end he's found the necklace. And he starts masturbating over it or something. <laughs> He's like, I'm just going to assume this is important. Could be anybody's <laughs> necklace, but I guess. It's... Yeah, I don't know oh. if he's seen Katara enough to know that like that would that's even like be able to identify that's like specifically Katara's necklace or anything. 
Well, like, I, they've been, every time you've seen them in the past, they've been wearing giant coats and shit. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so it's like... Mm, I mean, I what is this? A, cho- a kid's show for babies? <laughs> is it for 12-year-olds? I mean, it's because it's a Water Nation thing, and, the, and like... You'd be like, oh yeah, well he's been hanging out with Water Nation people. That would be an obviously that would be an obvious clue connecting it to, mm. to Aang. But it is like, yeah, specifically like, how would you know it's Katana? Whatever. 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 Show for babies. <laughs> I can't believe the show for Nickelodeon twelve-year-olds has sometimes simplistic plotting. Mm-hmm. But yeah. And so we're talking about the third episode. Well, I got what the what the fuck is the name of it? The Spirit World, Winter the Solstice, Spirit Part World. 1. This is the Mononoke ripoff episode. Mm. Where, I think maybe this is the episode where there's bits of animation that feels like the pilot, where like people are doing like some crazy like morphing and stuff like that. But mm-hmm. um, I guess uh, the Aang gang, they're flying over another <laughs> uh, part of the uh, Earth Kingdom, and they find I like can't. a whole forest is burned, burned away. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah, I just couldn't handle the name, the Ang Gang. Yeah, I just that, that that's something from back in the day. That was mm. a popular term for the main crew. Um, but like, and I guess while well, they they find this uh the, the, this forest that's burned been burned away, I guess relatively nearby, uh, Uncle Iroh is taking a bath in a hot spring that he's managed to heat up himself, and he's trying to get like, uh, Zuko. He's like, oh. You could melt your cares away by coming into this hot spring. And of course, Zuko's like, the hot spring is not going to worry or melt away my problems with the Avatar. We have to go track the Avatar. You better be back on the, back at the ship in half an hour. I'm going to leave without you. And Ira just doesn't give a fuck and he just keeps on bathing, which, yeah, um, keeps keeps on showing how Iroh is super chill and Zuko is super not chill. Yeah. Um, what else? I want to give you a chance to speak. Oh, you can oh, take notes. Yeah, but, but like, uh, so yeah, the Aang gang show up at that forest and they're kind of checking it out. And I guess Aang is super There are bummed. acorns. That's the thing. Katara points out there are acorns, meaning that the forest, even though it's devastated now, it's not permanently destroyed and will eventually grow back. Mm-hmm. And um, there's an elder from the local nearby town who's all like, hey... Who is that voice? I recognized this so much. Let's see. I recognized his voice real good, but I, I what was his name? I mean, Just so many el- people. Old local town elder. Um, I'm looking at the cast list. Uh, James Shigeta as Old Wanderer, Mike Higiwara as Leader. <laughs> That's not cool, man. That's not cool, man. I mean, I've especially Nickelodeon in the mid aughts. Like, all these voice actors are people I'm sure you've heard in other stuff, but... Oh, yeah. uh, but yeah, so local town is all like, hey, um, we're having problems with this, like, the spirit animal. It keeps on coming back at, like, midnight to fuck with people in town. I guess it's, like, kidnapping people and shit like that? Um, mm-hmm. and so Aang, he promises to try to help out because I guess the Avatar is supposed to have links to the spirit world. And so later on that night, um, the spirit does show up. It's this black and white spirit. That kind of looks like uh, a yin and yang symbol that's gone crazy. Uh, it starts mm. turning up the town. Um, what is it that Sokka decides to go to try to fight it? And it steals away Sokka. And so then Aang goes after the spirit. And But Aang... I don't know how this happens. Aang, is, Aang ends up in the spirit world? Yeah. And while all this is going on, um, I guess a couple of earthbenders... Earthbending troops have captured Uncle Iroh. 
and are going to take him to Ba Sing Se, which you find out that Uncle oh, Iroh... Oh, you know! Because <laughs> he, he's sitting in a hot springs, and he's like, Hey, nephew, come on in the hot spring with me. I'm naked. Come on, get in here. He does stand get up, you, too, and the show get, has to, like... Zuka has get the your clothes hand. off and get on in here. It is. Come on. Is, is, is Uncle Iroh trying to... Because it seems like Zuko is already having a hard enough time being taken seriously by his troops, and he's constantly like, have some candy. If Ignore your if responsibilities. If yeah. there's one thing a kid's show shouldn't do, it's an uncle encouraging his nephew <laughs> to join him naked in a tub. No! no. Uncle Iroh is nice. But no. he does stand up with his donger out. <laughs> like Zuko has to be like, I want to see your donger. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah, Iroh gets captured, and there's a whole, like, the, the show, because the slightly forced exposition of, of one of the Earth Earth Kingdom troops is all like, they've got Uncle You are Iroh's, a real dingus! Yeah, he's like, you're a general, you tried to capture the Earth Kingdom's capital of Ba Sing Se, you laid siege to it for 600 days, but your, your troops got lost. tired. You still lost. Yeah, but we're gonna take you to Ba Sing Se to answer for your crimes, and, and Uncle Iroh... Uh, he manages to kick off one of his slippers and leaves it behind, which is a clue for, for Zuko. I guess clue, Zuko, mm -hmm. Zuko's only contribution to any of these episodes is just is just finding people's lost clothing and going, Hey, this belongs to so-and-so. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I could follow all the prints of the giant chocobos they're riding, but instead all the... Oh, a shoe! <laughs> it is, I did... It wasn't until he's... He finds the shoe, and I was like, why are there bird tracks? And I had to go back and, like, they are riding giant chocobos. Which I'm, yeah. I'm a, these these creators of the show are nerds enough. I'm sure that's exactly what they were thinking. They were like, like, well, it can't be horses because that's too earth. Like, what if it's just chocobo? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it's also weird too because the show gets better. I think at the beginning when they're down in the Arctic, they showed like the penguins are a little bit like mixed with other animals. And as the show goes on, it becomes more of a gag that all of the animals in this universe are combined with other animals. There's no such thing as just a duck. It has to be like a duck turtle or something like that. It, it, it's kind of early uh, show weirdness. The fact that like the, the 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 spirit of this town just turns out to be like this panda spirit. Because later on, if the, this episode had come in later in the series, it wouldn't just be an earth. It wouldn't just be a panda spirit. It would be like a panda hippo spirit or something like that. But um. So instead of just even giant birds that they're riding, instead of just giant chocobos, it'd be like a chocobo, but with, like, goat horns or something like that. Yeah. Um, but... <sighs> yeah, so yeah, uh, Aang gets... He's... he's uh, as a result of chasing after this, the spirit, he's knocked into the spirit world. And, God, what happens? Like, I know... Oh! Uh, um, fucking... Uh, Aang is approached by a giant dragon spirit... Yeah. Who turns out to be the mount of Avatar Roku, who was the Avatar before Aang. And yeah. Touches his foreheads, lets him see visions and shit. Yeah, there's something about, like, there's some kind of temple with some kind of, like, comet. Something's going on. Obviously, this, this dragon has something to say to Aang that Aang is just not picking up on. Yeah, something about, like, specifically, like, there's a statue... Uh, and some kind of, like, Fire Nation island somewhere where, like, there's this Raiders of the Lost Ark thing where the sunlight is coming in and beams a laser onto the forehead of a statue of Avatar Roku. Mm -hmm. And Aang's like, what the fuck is this? And so it cuts back to, yeah, more stuff with just, like, 
uh, Zuko saves Uncle Iroh, fights some Earthbenders. Oh, I guess Iroh. They were and... gonna, they were gonna crush the shit out of his hands. Yeah. Oh God, yeah, that's right. Um, Zuko or Iroh does get out of his his chains by like superheating his handcuffs. Mm-hmm. So when the guy goes to take him off, he gets burned and surprised, which is supposed to burn the shit out of, out of Iroh himself too, because like he's the one wearing those handcuffs as they're superheated. But are, it's are yeah. flamebenders immune to flames? You would think so a little bit. Or at least if they're not like genetically immune, you'd think they would have a higher pain tolerance for fire. Considering I mean, obviously not because things. Zuko's got that fucking eyeball. Exactly. I don't think so. I think they're just like normal people. Shouldn't which... they have burns all over them then? <laughs> they're just constantly just cigarette burns and just yeah. hot. Through. They're like chefs because I know chefs tend to have a lot of just burns all over their hands and arms just from like. Oh, it's constantly, like, accidentally picking up, like, hot metal pans or, that, like, running into hot stuff inside a kitchen. So, yeah, it's, yeah, there's nothing. That's the thing. There's, like, aside from, like, ethnic differences between the different tribes of the, of, of the Avatar world, there, yeah, there's no one race. It's not like the Water Tribe is, like, genetically, like, more insulated against the, the cold. Unless there's a fat person, of course, they're, they're gonna be maybe a little bit more insulated. But, yeah, there's no... Yeah, it's, 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 yeah, there's no fireproof firebenders or anything like that. Which, that's kind of mm. makes it when I was pointing out that Iroh was, like, heating up his own, um, shackles. I was like, oh, that's gotta hurt for him as much as the, the other guy that he just burned. But, yeah, you get to see, uh, Zuko and Uncle Iroh do firebending together to, in order to defeat the, the, the troops that tried to cap Iroh, which is kind of yeah, and it's, I mean, you were just talking about how firebending would be kind of weak against earthbending, but you do get to see two earthbenders take out, like, three or four, uh, you get to see uh, two firebenders take out, like, three or four earthbenders here. So, I guess if you're a really good earthbender, or, or a good firebender. Just yeah. in case, they were in a pit surrounded by earth, just to encase them in the earth. You think there would what be, What are you like- doing, guys? <laughs> Because I'm watching Jeez. now, they are literally Zuko and Iroh are fighting inside what could be a mass you, grave. They could you easily couldn't be... be in a more optimized place for <laughs> you to win this battle. And so this speaks to either like Zuko and Iroh or extraordinarily good firebenders, or those earthbenders are extraordinarily terrible earthbenders. Jeez, yeah. man, because come on. I kind of wonder... I mean, this might excuse in the live-action Airbender movie when you had to show 20 people having to do, like, this whole haka dance to, like, lift one rock. Maybe yeah. that's how you excuse, like... Because the way they show Earthbending in this cartoon, we've only seen... This is only the second episode we've seen with Earthbending, but from what we've seen, exactly! The Earthbenders could have just should have been able to smush those motherfuckers in a heartbeat, but, like, yeah. Ugh, yeah. And th- I guess, if anything... Yeah, Earthbending is def- definitely the element in the show that could be overpowered. It could be too powerful, too OP, if oh, you're not careful, but, you know. You, we also should also mention, I mean, if you're listening to this, I'm sure you've seen Avatar, but whatever. But uh, he does, Zuko does have to choose between following the air, the Avatar oh, or that's right. saving his uncle. He saves his uncle. That's probably, in terms of the overarching show, that's probably the most interesting that thing that happens in this episode. In terms of character, it's not even really development, but it is. Shows that, like, Zuko, when forced to choose between the Avatar and his uncle, chooses his uncle. So it's nice mm-hmm. to see that Zuko's not a total fucking maniac. Um, and so, yeah, that's how he ends up, like, right, yeah, rescuing Iroh. 
And, yeah, uh, cut back to Aang, and Aang is still having visions with the spirit stuff, and, yeah, something about a statue, which, that, that'll that be the next episode we'll talk about. Yeah, it. Indiana Jones statue that's with light that has to touch a thing. Exactly. And, uh, but then he comes back, and I forget how, I'm watching it now, and I'm still not quite sure exactly what he does with the panda spirit. Is the spanner? Oh no! He so touches pandas... it and is like, "Don't worry, acorns." That's yeah. So the yeah, the panda spirit comes back. It's all Mononoke, but the end, he 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 does to the panda spirit what Katara did to him by showing him the acorn and saying, "Hey, your house is destroyed, but it'll grow back over a couple centuries, I hey, guess." One sec, I gotta shut this dog up to keep barking. No, you probably cool. can't hear him, but he's annoying me. Won't be no, right that's back. fine. And so, yeah, the yin yang spirit just turns back into a pan, like nice little. Normal, very earthly panda spirit shuffles back off in the forest again. It's weird just to see a normal, because the fact that, like, someone has a bear, that's a joke later on in the series, is like, oh, it's a bear. It's not like a panda, it's not like a sheep bear or a duck bear. That's a joke later, but now we get to see an actual normal panda. I mean, granted, it's a spirit, but still, doesn't play by the normal avatar rule. Huh? Yeah, I just I just said a spoiler about the future, but like I'm glad you walked away because it's perfect time to mention that. But anyway, so the panda. Oh, bear... guess I won't listen to this episode. <laughs> I just it's not a huge spoiler. I had to talk about Avatar getting and gets hit by a truck by the end of the second. Season. Oh no! Uh, but yeah, so the panda sp uh, spirit he walks away. He farts out uh, a couple of people, including Sokka, Sokka <laughs> and a bunch of bamboo. Pee. Yeah, and hey, if, the, if, the, if the spirit can just make trees appear like that, why didn't but he? What's, why was he upset if he could just all he does <laughs> do is fart bamboo, living fart bamboo out in the end? Yeah. Also, the forest we see burn seems to be like a normal deciduous tree forest, not a bamboo forest. But I guess the panda can fart living bamboo. Whatever. Um, Whatever. It's a good children's show for babies. <laughs> children's show for babies. The most two forty plus year old men are watching. Is that the, that's the new name of the podcast? Children's show for baby. Children's show. For baby. Uh, so yeah, they, they 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 joke about how we they need to ask the the village for uh, for food and and money, and that's mm -hmm. it. And that's the end of the episode. Oh my god! Uh, Avatar: the Last Airbender. <laughs> it gets better. Yeah. Well, and it, it finishes with, "Hey, I saw a vision. I gotta go look at a statue, and it's in the Fire Nation, and it's." It's gonna be tomorrow, bro. Oh, that's right. That's uh, right. I guess immediately, Aang is all like, "Oh, I fucked up." Actually, started. This How high can his bison fly? Pretty high. You would think because this is like oxygen. Because, like, so they're flying, and then ships see them, and are like, "Oh man, we gotta get that thing," so that they get chased, and instead of like. Eventually, they fly above the clouds. Yeah. Why weren't they doing that right away? I yeah, it's weird too because I'm watching the show. You think like keeping Appa? What are they? The, a the, bunch the sky of sky bison fed? A bunch of dumb little kids? <laughs> you think you think keeping Appa fed and watered would be more of a concern? Especially because they're like whenever they're talking about food, they're just talking about feeding themselves. But like, what about Appa? He's the guy who's like taking you everywhere. Doesn't he need to take a piss break or? So I would imagine it would be one of those things. The higher, oh, man. It, the higher they go, the more exertion it is for I'm, Appa. I'm so you okay don't want to do that all the time, but yeah. I'm okay with asking this question. Get no, that's spoil yeah. for me. Any question? Uh, yeah, does just, yeah? Does Appa ever poop on anybody from the sky? <laughs> 
just rain down a bunch of fecal matter onto like the fire nation you know what i think even for nickelodeon standards that might have been a bit more oh darn it i think him sneezing on Sokka in the first episode is the most like Mm. biological weapon that appa ever becomes (laughs) like but that totally or even if he just shat on people on the ground like if Suko's showing up with his firebenders, right. just turn Papa around and have him spray diarrhea all over everyone, even without the flying. I never got to meet my grandpa, but anytime a bird pooped on my car, <laughs> on our car growing up, my dad would say, "Your grandpa always said, just be glad, glad cows don't fly." So, no. Oh, in this world, it's this world. I'm guessing God, you don't want to yeah. be under that thing when it's <laughs> seriously, man. I'm unleashing. sure, but like. Back when the Nomads were still you in the ever, world, I'm sure they were ever, stuck flying in very specific zones. <laughs> you just, ever just, seen an elephant take a piss? Imagine this thing. Oh, it's bigger than an elephant. This thing fucking just like half oh my... Its turds would be as big as a car. Uh-huh. <laughs> it, would just, it would kill people. And no one in this world is a it, shit bender. And so it probably like, slaps it down with its tail. God, you know what? There may have been one or two waterbenders in the world that just specialized in like cleaning up shit and <laughs> mess and mess. <laughs> Piss penders left behind. We have the piss penders, exactly. Like, hey, someone's got to do it. You know, there's money to be made because you got these fucking giant bison flying over the place. Yeah, we're the uh, the bison piss penders. <laughs> God, you know it's great too because like the that's the best racket you get going is that you get get like a, you get an air nomad with a sky bison who just and it goes out of its way to piss and shit on people, and then you have the water bender who's working with the air nomad come like hey pay me a couple bucks and i'll clean it up it's like extortion it's like the totally the air nomad comes in should be sure would be a shame if 10 ton bison took a shit all over this place wouldn't it Uh uh-huh exactly yeah yeah Yeah, no wonder no one no one mourned for the fact the airbenders all got (laughs) exterminated just because i could presume i guess they took the air bisons with them god but yeah, Any- yeah. Anyway, yeah. Oh, so we're talking about today's last episode, which is bum 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 something something Winter Solstice Part Two Avatar Roku, mm-hmm. Episode Eight of Avatar: The Last Airbender. Mm-hmm. And so yeah, I guess it picks up right after uh, the last episode where it's still nighttime. Even though I did notice the, uh, the 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 last shot of the last episode showed the night sky with like crescent moon, but this time it's the full moon. So unless the world of Avatar son is of a biscuit, it make no sense. Um, yeah, so, uh, Aang's about to leave on, uh, Appa, because he, he's gonna head straight out, because, yeah, they, they, they've, he's got to get to whatever temple this is by the, by sunset to see whatever it is. Whatever information that Avatar Roku wants to give to him. Yeah. And, and they are unable to escape the gaze of a boat, I guess. Yeah. Well, so or is like, it implied at the end that the, the, the town that they just saved totally ratted them out? I don't they insinuate unless i missed something i don't i didn't notice anything about insinuating that because they just technically saved that town although that that's still no reason why they couldn't get ratted out by someone in that town though but um god is it because i i feel like there is at least once or twice the ang gang gets betrayed by somebody like that though i can remember that after this episode but yeah, Aang tries to leave without Sokka and Katara, but Sokka and Katara are like, hey, you gotta take us with us, and he's like, no, I don't want to take you guys because it could be too dangerous, but the, the, the Katara and Sokka are just like, you got to. We, we're part of a team. We can't let you, you go. You got to! And so, yeah, a big part of the episode just becomes this huge chase of... Um, I can't even remember how Zuko... Oh, Zuko and Sokka show up in the town immediately right after 
mm-hmm. uh, the Angang leaves, and I think it's insinuated they they t- like not tortured, but they got the information about where the Angang is going from the people in the town. I don't think necessarily like there was anyone going out of their way to like rat out the team, but like. Yeah, the entire town knows where they're going. It's not going to take much for for Zuko to be able to get that information out of somebody. And so, yeah, he's got his, I guess, relatively tiny boat, Zuko does, that he's chasing the uh, Aang and company with. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they see that, like, yeah, for some reason they're not flying above the clouds. They're flying low enough that, like, Sokka could see them and very quickly catch up to them. I guess maybe Appa's not that fast for as big as he is and how high he can fly, I guess maybe he's not that fast if, like, a stupid little steamship can catch up to them pretty quickly. Yeah. And, um... And there's also the the, the evil general that, that's even more evil than the evil guy. <laughs> super that, evil, yeah. He's so super evil. Yeah, Jason Isaacs from Harry Potter. They're he's... like, oh, the, the band, or the banished prince is also coming this way, Jason. This is, you had asked don't, before. They about... don't want him... Yeah, he doesn't want to go back to the Fire Nation because his dad will say, Ooh, you shouldn't be here! Uh, yeah, you had asked about exactly to what extent Zuko was banished, and I had misremembered it being he's just not allowed to, like, back at the palace, but I guess he's not allowed back in the Fire Nation at all. Yeah. Because, yeah, this is what Admiral Zhao, played by the Harry Potter guy, he has a blockade blockading everyone from coming into the Fire Nation. I don't know if this blockade was here specifically to keep Zuko or the Avatar out, but they just happened to be they were there. Gonna, they were going to keep that flying bison from getting there. I guess, yeah. I guess? I, I mean, how Admiral Zhao would know about that, I have no idea. It's just a huge coincidence. He just happens to be in the path of all the main characters. Man. But they do fire a whole bunch of shots at um, Appa. Appa yeah, is able to dodge them all. Although, I guess the first one, Aang has to do some some air bending to like destroy the shot from the first like a big boulder explodes and stuff just like that. It actually catches high. a bit of op on fire, which is alarming. Just keep flying higher, you dinguses. Yeah, yeah. I, there must you be some bunch point of kids. On, there's got out of sixty episodes. There's got to be a point at some point where Aang's like, if we make Appa fly higher, it's like more exertion, so we can't do that or something. Because mm. yeah, why not just yeah? I mean, yeah, I guess you do have to remember it's a living beast, beast and not an airplane, so it's like. You know, a little more limited, but... But they go above the clouds in this very They do scene. go above the clouds. It's not impossible, yeah. They just go up there and so they can't get shot. And they, that's how they they run the blockade. Um, Zuko tries to run the blockade, too, and he, they think that's going to be... Uh, Zuko's prepared for a big fight, but it turns out Zuko... Or Admiral Zhao just lets them pass. Mm-hmm. And... Um, well, this is when you get another big information dump from, from Iroh. Because even before they try to uh, run the blockade, Iroh's all like, that's the one he's setting the table about. This whole episode is kind of setting the stakes for the future of the whole Avatar show. Mm. This this is setting the stakes for Zuko about how specifically, I guess, Iroh points out that like he's not allowed back in the Earth Kingdom at all. Just even stepping back could get him to, like, in lots of trouble. And so, yeah, Iroh's like, are you sure you want to do this? You could be in even more trouble if you try to, like, you're not allowed back, like, step foot in Iron Nation territory, or uh, Fire Nation territory at all. And Zuko's like, no, fuck it, it's worth it to get the Avatar. And so, what, Admiral Zhao lets them pass? Yeah. Because the idea, he's like, oh, I this might be my opportunity, I can catch both. I'll just follow this idiot. Yeah, I'll just follow this idiot, and I'll be able to catch both the Avatar and Zuko, and I'll be fucking king of shit mountain for a day, so that's exactly what happens. Zuko and Iroh go blasting through 
They, even though they know they're being let through, they go ahead anyway, and they don't seem to give it a second thought. I'm sure Ira, Ira would be smart enough to understand exactly what's going on. Also, this is when you find out that Iro is the brother of Lord Sozin, who is the leader of the Fire Nation. He's mm -hmm. He really is... Uh, uh, I think you'd actually find that out in the last episode when they cap the oh, uh, defenders yeah, capture okay, and they're okay. like the the leader's brother. Yeah, that in the in the, in the kind of ham-fisted exposition dump of like yeah, yeah this yeah Earthbender's telling Iro everything that he already knows about his his own biological history and his like military history. You know, as you know, Uncle Iro, general of the Fire Nation and brother of the Fire Lord. You know, blah blah blah. Mm -hmm. Um, but, yeah, and you can, again, when this episode goes live, uh, like I did with the first episode, I'll post an excerpt of the map of the world of Avatar. You will see how, like, exactly where this Fire Nation island is in relation to the rest of the world. But, yeah, they end up on this Fire Island, Crescent Island, that's filled with volcanoes and stuff, and there's a temple built on top. And I guess it's, uh, this is, I guess maybe this is a temple we saw in the first episode? Or the second episode, because we did see that, like, when Aang went into the, um, the Avatar state for the first time, we saw all these other people, all these other sages at these temples around the world with, uh, Avatar statues. The statues, their eyes lit up like Aang's did. And that set out the world. The word, the word to the rest of the world, or at least the sages in the rest of the world, that the Avatar was back. Mm-hmm. Um, monkey pants. Yeah. Oh, okay. When you're no, quiet you're long enough, I'm not quite sure you're there, but... <laughs> it's That's fair. I should just every now and then go, Uh-huh! 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 But, like... So, I guess these are... I don't know if these are exactly some of the same guys we saw, but it's definitely, like, from that same situation where, like, yeah. Um, which kind of shows that there is some planning, like, even from the start. Like, you know, it's like, oh, okay, nice, nice to see so this what? is a callback to, like, the second episode, but, yeah. Is this, like, a temp temple that's worshipping the old airbender or what there that's it's, it's 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 a little weird because worshipping the avatar some people seem to kind of worship the avatar although at least in this era of the world there does not seem to be an organized like religion around the avatar oh wait no doesn't that wasn't the the guy that helps them say what this place was built for? It's it's it... a temple for the. Uh, well, he also comes in and talks about how this temple was built by Avatar Roku, who, which again, he was the Avatar before Aang, who was, I guess, a very powerful firebender because that's part of the Avatar cycle. Is the Avatars re reincarnated into the next nation in this very specific cycle? It goes from, like, yeah, Fire Nation to Airbenders to the Water Tribe to the, uh, Water, uh, to the Earth Nation. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, he says that, like, yeah, the uh, Avatar Roku built this island, and after he died, these sages kind of came in to, to, like, take care of, like, Avatar-related things. Th Later on, we find out, <laughs> a little bit of a spoiler... There is an organization within the world that is dedicated to it's not it's not Avatar worshippers. They're just that they're the ones who like who essentially take care of Avatar business. They're the ones mm. who go out whenever an Avatar dies and is reincarnated in the world. They're the ones who actually go out and find that Avatar and say, "Hey, okay, figure out. Okay, this must be the next Avatar." And so you can assume maybe, like, these guys are part of that, but that's something that doesn't get introduced until, like, the third season or something like that. So it's, like, retroactively, 
like some of this stuff makes sense, but right now it is a little bit like, okay, are these guys just worshipping the Avatar or what's going on? But yeah, they never specifically say it in this episode or even in the season, I think. Mm. But yeah, but it's not quite a religious thing as much as more of just an actual management thing, I guess, in terms of like, yeah, I guess this is, temples like this is where, because I guess the built Avatar statues is somehow like, yeah, they can find out like if an Avatar has gone into the Avatar state, the statues will blow, so that kind of keeps these avatar managers <laughs> up to date as to kind of like the vague what's going on with the avatar at any given time i guess i don't know but like but even though this temple was kind of like belonged to an avatar i guess now the fire nation they're just like because the fire nation is all about itself it doesn't care so much about the avatar as much as like i don't know i guess they're just more fire nation worshipers mm -hmm. and so the the, the end gang shows up are they immediately, like, captured by the, the, the monks living there or something like that? They're, they're not captured, but the monks show up and then they go running. The oh, that's right, because the monks then are like, oh, yeah, you're here. Because, like, Aang is like, hey, I'm the Avatar. I'm here to get some information because, yeah, the, the, the spirit of Roku told me to come here. And that's when they, yeah, the monks turn on them. But they get help from one monk who he's like, hey, I'm the only monk left here who's still loyal to the Avatar rather than the Earth Nation. And so he, I guess, he opens up a secret pack, a passage that uh, leads them to uh, the inner sanctum, I guess, of Avatar Roku. It's this room that's locked by this fire-bending door that requires five uh, firebenders to shoot fire into it, and that's supposed to open the door. But what happens after that? Uh, they're running around, they find the guy that's on their side, and he's like, he opens a secret door and is like, FOLLOW ME! And they go through some lava? Yeah, there's like some uh, catacombs beneath the the, the, the the temple and stuff like yeah. that, yeah. Oh, well, we're also bouncing back and forth between, you know, the, the boats and the... And the yeah, because Zuko, he's racing and to the stuff. island, and, and Admiral Zhao is following them, and yeah. And his engine breaks, but keeps working, but it's smoking, and he's like, I'm gonna go on my little dinghy to catch him. You just keep going, and they'll follow you, oh, not I forgot. Did you ever see Master Commander? No. There's a whole thing that, like, exactly the same, where a ship is being followed through another ship through a cloud bank, but then, like, they lower a dinghy so that the one ship, it's a whole thing, but, like, mm. actually, it's actually not quite but yeah so bazooko he's gonna like take a little baby ship and take that to the to the crescent island temple so he can capture yeah. the avatar so yeah yeah because he's been so good at it by himself this far <laughs> none of his plans have failed yet this wily e. coyote motherfucker yeah this burned eye mother poor sad sap but yeah um but so Sokka comes up with the idea to like make pipe bombs and stick them into this door to trick mm -hmm. the door into thinking the firebenders are trying to get into the temple, but that doesn't work. But is it Katara comes up with the idea? Someone because it's it's actually they're like it idea. sure does look like we try open the door. Yeah, and it's all like mm, it looks like we did it. Mm -hmm. uh, it no, was just a good idea because yeah, they their monkey to... is also able to fit through some hole. I guess there's yeah, I, I they hadn't pointed out yet, but I guess there's an air vent that like Momo the monkey can go in through. And so he starts running around on the inside. Every everybody hides. And so the 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 fire temple monks come in and they're like, "Oh my god, they must have found a way into the into the temple. We got to open that door now and go capture them." And so the fire benders, they use their fire bending to open the door. And the moment they do, everyone steps out and captures the monks. And they're like, "Ha ha ha, you opened it for us." You Good sons job, of losers. Bitches. 
you fucking losers. And so then that lets... Angry. Your old asses got beat by a bunch of 12-year-olds, haha. <laughs> You're fucking children. You're fucking stupid. <laughs> yeah. So Aang goes in there. I think there's some more Kerfuffles. The moment Aang goes in there, that's when Zuko shows up. Yeah. And, like, that, like the moment after Zuko shows up, then doesn't, like, Admiral Zhao show up or something like that? Or, no, then he's all Aang like, oh. some flippity floops and get in there and close that the door. Plot, that, that doesn't really matter. There is consternation in, like, all the... Like Katara and Sokka, or yeah, Katara and Sokka, and the one good Firebender monk are tied to a pedestal, and they're just like, like Admiral Zhao does. I'm scanning through now. Admiral Zhao does show up, and they're waiting for Avatar because they're like, oh, Aang's got to oh, come yeah. out sometime, and as soon as he comes out, we're gonna capture him. And we also Aang. get the, the banished prince and his monk who yeah, betrayed so us. Yeah, it does seem that like everything's fucked for everybody because Admiral Zhao has captured, will have captured everyone. Everything's coming up, Millhouser, the general. <laughs> <laughs> but so the big heart of the story, this is actually setting the stakes for the entire rest of the series, is Aang goes in, um, I guess, uh, I guess this is the winter. I had to look this up to see exactly what's going on. This is supposed to be the winter solstice, and I guess it just works out that on the winter solstice, that's when the, the, the barrier between the living and the dead becomes its thinnest. And mm. the spirit of Avatar Roku can come through and talk to Aang and explain to him, Hey, there's this comet that whenever the comet comes to Earth, which it does every hundred years, it suddenly gives uh, firebenders crazy, super firebending abilities, and that's... A hundred years ago, when Aang disappeared, this is what the Firebenders used to start this 100-year war that's still going on to yeah. conquer the rest of the world. Now this comet's about to come back, and when it does, the leader of the Fire Nation is going to use this pumped-up ability from the comet to finish the war and, and take out whoever is left resisting the Fire Nation in the world. So Aang has to put a bullet in his head before then. Yeah, he's by the end of summer, uh, which I had originally mistook the series as taking place over the course of about of about a year, but if this is the winter solstice and this comet's coming at the end of the summer, I guess that's more like six months rather than a year. But mm -hmm. but yeah, there is now a time lock as to... It's, it's no longer just a vague, like, oh, Aang's just got to go to the Water Nation and learn stuff and eventually try to bring peace to the world but he's yeah he's got six months in which he's got to get his shit together and take out the fucking fire lord before this comet shows up and wrecks the planet and but yeah not wrecking the planet because it's not like the comet's gonna That's... hit the planet but just because it's it's gonna imbue the firebenders all this extra power that no one's gonna be able to stop them yeah you know? that's the only way the fire could win because otherwise they could get beat by every single element <laughs> like you're pointing but out also... otherwise they're the shittiest yeah but also with the the comet hasn't been there in a hundred years they should be weak enough you can just kick their asses yeah why not just go in there now and just kick the shit yeah exactly um, this, th there's a little more of this thing about how the celestial situation kind of kind of affects the benders. We're gonna see a little bit more of that in the near future, but mm. but yeah. Um, and I did look it up. It is interesting that like it does line up that like so the current Fire Lord, who is the leader of the Fire Nation, who is Zuko's dad. Oh. No, go ahead. I was just gonna say. Also, aren't comets ice, not fire? Yeah. Shut up. Oh, okay. 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 <laughs> the ice but All right, I, you do I, I had to look up the Wikipedia entry, the the Avatar Wikipedia entry for the comet just to see exactly how like within the fiction of this world it works. 
they do point out that comets are made out of ice, but supposedly it's the fact that the comet comes close enough to the Earth's atmosphere to create friction that the comet becomes kind of a heat source that naturally amplifies the powers of all the firebenders. Mm. So even though it's ice, it produces heat and fire, and that like yeah, it's 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 yeah. That sounds like something they said. Uh oh, <laughs> we gotta. Uh oh, we gotta. Like, think after, about, like after this episode came out, someone asked about that. Like, aren't they ice? And they're like, yeah, we, um, pl- we planned uh, that. <laughs> yeah, friction. It's friction. Yeah, that's what it Which is. Which is yeah. weird because then like. If someone, like, are, are firebenders more powerful if they have to be in a room with a fireplace? Like, does it just have to be a heat? Like, uh, whatever. But, like, yeah. Are firebenders naturally more powerful just in the summertime in general? Like, even regardless of a comet? But I did see that it lines up that, like, I guess... So, yeah, so the comet is known as Sozin's Comet because Sozin was the fire lord. Uh, he's the grandfather of fire lord... Ozai, who's the current leader of the Fire Nation. So this is essentially uh, the the guy who started the Hundred Years War a hundred years ago was the great grandfather of Zuko. And yeah, Fire Lord Sozin. So this is known as Sozin's Comic and and Comic Comet. And Sozin's mm-hmm. Comic is going to be coming back at the end of this year, so, or at the end of the summer. So yeah. But yeah, that that's the big important thing. Um, uh, fucking Avatar Roku has just enough time to say that, and Aang is all like, what do I do? I'm gonna have more questions. How do I get back in touch with you? And, like, Avatar Roku is just like, you'll figure something out, and then he does Well, hey, I'm a part of you, so if you need me, you'll yeah. figure out a way. Which does ah, become, thanks. Nice and vague. Become, the, the, he's not wrong. There is more stuff about, like, yeah. Like, yeah, I would imagine. But, yeah. I would in the long run the show's plotted out pretty well but even though at the beginning like i said there's lots of little wibbly like where like fucking comments made out of ice motherfucker yeah but so uh fucking lord zhao he's waiting for fucking avatar to come out ang does well no the door's open and you think it's gonna be ang but it's fucking roku the spirit of Roku does all this crazy... Oh, no, I think the firebenders try to firebend at, at Roku. And Roku's like, get the fuck out of here. He causes this... Guy, what are you waste. doing? He lays waste to everybody in the room. Mm-hmm. Immediately, like, melts the chains holding down Sokka and, and Katara and Zuko. They all escape and go their different ways. And the last thing is you see Aang. He's on the flying air bison with... Um, Katara and Sokka, and he's like, man, I got six months to get my shit together. I don't know mm-hmm. if I can do this, and they just fly off into the moon, and that's the end of the episode. And, which is kind of nice, very kind of like, not sad, but like, oh no, yeah, this is kind of I know like, there's quite a few episodes left in this book, but um, for being a, the, the, uh, the water book, there sure has not been a lot of water. Oh, uh, you're gonna get your shit, uh, there's gonna be water. I know, I know, I know. But it is I'm one of the saying. side effects of them having to go through the Earth Kingdom. Yeah. This could be almost because it's the second book is called Earth. And there's more, st- but like, yeah, there is. Yeah, it is funny that all four episodes today have all been about Earth bending more than else. But yeah, now we've actually seen, we've seen officially within the show, we've seen all bendings of, we've seen all the different kinds of bendings. The characters have actually been to all four uh, kingdoms technically. Like, yeah, the, yeah. The, the Water Tribe, the Earth Kingdom, the Fire Nation, and the. Air nomads. I, mean, I guess the air nomads don't have a specific. Uh, the whole point that they're nomads is that they just have 
scattered. They had that tower. Temples scattered. Yeah, they have temp temples scattered throughout the, the world, but they, have, they don't have a specific territory like everyone else does. But yeah, so that is that is that is the the, the stakes for the show is yeah can can Angus get his shit together by the end of summer to, to stop the fire lord wrecking the earth with super fire bending power? So. Nope. 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 It never happens. It all he ends gets roasted. Sad. He steps yeah. foot into the fire lord's chambers and immediately gets her, turned into a roast chicken mm -hmm. like a power up in a video game. Yeah. It's flambéed. Mm -hmm. But so yeah, that's 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 Avatar stuff. Yeah. Um, what'd you think of these four episodes? It's fine. Like I said, um, what's her butt was a little annoying in that one episode, being like, "You just gotta stand up and fight against them." Yeah, it's and... kind of funny too, because Katara has a reputation for being all like, "Gee, Willikers like giving heartfelt speeches mm -hmm. at to people," and like, yeah, then th th that's definitely one of the first instances of just being like, "Oh." Inspirational speech from Katara. Like, you're a, a literal child. What are you doing? But yeah, You're 12 uh, years old. Who you, some and of, you, you've never been to this part of the world before? You have no idea how this culture works? Like, I mean, oh, I, I yeah, guess as when, a fellow victim of the Fire Nation, she When like, she, she shows up inside a stranger's house and is like, How can you not let him earthbend? What are you doing? And she's <sighs> like, They'll take him away, just like they did hit that. And she's like, Ah, you should yeah, let him earthbend. No it's just like, Ah. Yeah. <laughs> what are you doing? You, what are you doing? Come on. Jeez. Oh, man. And also, I mean, the, I'm sure there will continue to be plenty of instances of... It's a cartoon logic that, you know, is for children, so it's not going to make sense to my adult brain, but it's fine for kids' shows, you know. Yeah, and like I said, this show gets a little more, like, like layered and depthful, but, like, it's still, like, it's still a Nickelodeon cartoon. Yeah. So you can't expect to. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, we got some feedback from people a little bit, just, oh. uh, um, uh, uh, Catherine F. King, um, talks about how if she were to create a TV show after, that takes place after The Legend of Korra, which we mentioned before is it takes place like 80 years. Is it 80 years? Yeah, it is like 80 years after the, uh, the events of Avatar Last Airbender, and it's all like 1920s steampunk, and she talks about how if she were to do... If she were in charge of a show that takes place after The Legend of Korra, she would try to keep it to the same tech tech level as The Legend of Korra, not let it be a modern-day TV show, because, like I said, the Avatar guys are talking about how they're going to be coming up with new TV shows and stuff like that that will take place in the future and past of the Avatar world, so mm -hmm. a lot of people are expecting there to be an Avatar show that takes place in quote-unquote the modern day. But eh, I guess we'll find out, especially too, because... Well, but, I mean... Modern day, this, hasn't this place been the same for like ten thousand years? This is largely. Why would you I, need technology to connect? Like, aside it's been from like the so steam, long. maybe the steam technology the Fire Nation has has seems to have invented. I guess the world has been largely the same because we do see flashbacks to the past, at least centuries in the past, and it seems like the world has generally been the same for like at least hundreds of years up until mm -hmm. the events of Avatar: Last Airbender. But yeah. Um, also, Catherine F. King also points out that in in the last Airbender, we do see some female Airbenders in Aang's flashbacks. So, mm, yeah. mm -hmm. which I had not noticed, but well, I'm glad wait, she pointed what that was out. the what was the lady the statue that was? Uh, oh, Kyoshi Airbender. Yeah, she was an Earthbender. Oh, okay. Yeah, we're gonna find out a little bit more about. It. She is she is 
She is the fucker upper of Earthbender. She's definitely an Earthbender. Mm. Yeah. But she was, yeah, the first female bender that we've seen outside of Katara. But um and also <laughs> Maxwell Motley says we should do the Gulliver's Travels miniseries with Ted Danson sometime. Nah. Which, have you ever seen that? <laughs> I've seen enough of it. I saw that when it aired back in the day. It was cute, but yeah. Mm. If we don't have time to do Legend of Korra, we definitely don't have enough time to do fucking Gulliver's Travels. So that, that would be, like I said, one day we might come back with Tart of the Party after I recharge my batteries. We could do that. Like, we'll definitely yeah. add that to the list, but yeah. Um, but I will love... do the Tenth Kingdom and all of those miniseries. Oh man, all the TV <laughs> miniseries that killed TV miniseries. <laughs> I was looking at something the other day where somebody I was looking up someone's IMDb credits and they like directed half of the episodes for the Tenth Kingdom, and I was like, oh man, I gotta watch me some Tenth Kingdom. God, mm-hmm. I, that whole like late '90s era, because like even Maxwell Motley just making a note about Gulliver's Travels just made me like I because I did see that because I was a sucker for any kind of like fantasy or sci-fi tv miniseries like i saw the sci-fi channel adaptation of dune back in the day that's the only thing i know about dune is from that thing and like mm. yeah the fact that they thought that like kids would come running for ted dancing pink and gold who gives a shit about gulliver's travels in any capacity much less in the 90s with- oh, no, no, i just love that oh man and we've already done didn't we do like the alice in wonderland like 1985 miniseries and only half of it man there could be a whole podcast that's just dedicated to like the the tv miniseries the science oh, yeah, fiction that was see tv miniseries anytime the they say a television event <laughs> exactly dun, dun, dun. involving sammy davis jr paul lind <laughs> the cast of cheers the cheapest yeah. guest stars we could get <laughs> with the most kind of blue screen look and special effects like fucking looks like i mean with the weather station because there was the alice in wonderland we watched but then there was the other one that they did in the 90s and i'm yeah. sure there's been other television special Tenth alice in kingdom man i love the 10th kingdom so much yeah. nothing could live up to my memories of the 10th and that that had to there was like, a there was a uh, 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 Phantom of the Opera miniseries. There was? Oh, man. The, the, I think you could count Lonesome Dove as being a miniseries, because, I mean, it was. Just well, with a yeah, bigger because, budget. Yeah, that was a big Western thing. Man, like, my dad loved what... I think a lot of dads loved what uh, Lonesome Dove, because that was, like, the Unforgiven before there was the Unforgiven. One of them... The, man. I remember that coming out. My sisters taped it and watched it a thousand times. Lonesome and, Dove? Yeah. <laughs> Sisters, I've okay. Never, I don't know. I've never heard of anyone under fifty who wasn't a white dude, like watching Lonesome Dove. Okay, I don't yeah. know. But at the start of one of the oh, the at the very beginning of one of them, while the credits are still on the bottom of the screen and stuff, they're yeah. like transporting a bunch of cattle across a river. Uh huh. And uh, there's one dude. I don't know. I'm pretty sure <laughs> this was not imagined. There's one dude, and a lot of the guys are like naked and shit. And there's one dude who's riding across and just chaps what? and he kind of lifts up and adjusts himself and his dick totally flopped out. <laughs> I don't know how they missed what? that when they were editing wait, it, wait, but wait, you could wait, totally wait, see wait, that wait, dude's wait. donger crossing the river. Lonesome dove. I don't know. I don't know this if you can like find on the info team. on it. it was, what kind it of was, video? Oh, it was it was like from far away. What? You couldn't. It wasn't like a what focused the? up thing, but. Fuck! I just googled. 
Uh-huh. You are not wrong. Oh, good. I'm glad it wasn't I'm imagined. I'm that now. There's an image of a naked white dude sitting on... He's naked on a horse in a river. Uh-huh. And you can totally see the head of his dick flopping out. Yeah. Like, almost like smacking the horn of the saddle that he's riding. Yeah. What the hell is this? Why did... Just Get that movie in HD and check it out. Imagine <laughs> all the squeaking, squelching, exposed buttholes slamming against <laughs> the saddles. Oh, I mean, no. As far as miniseries go, Lonesome Dove probably was one of the better ones just because it had such an amazing cast. We turned Rex Schroeder's floppy teen dick into <laughs> something dot 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 dot. Oh, so, so this is the kid from Silver Spoons whose dick I'm looking at right now? I don't know about that, but maybe Isn't it a hardcore conservative. <laughs> wow! Thanks for. So is that going to be this week's episode art for this podcast? And the avatar is going to be sure. Why not? Yeah. Loads of dumb dick. <laughs> oh my god! Okay. Thank you, Maxwell Motley, for scorching my imagination with this news about Lonesome Dove, even though it was your fault, but, like... I, yeah, she had nothing to do with that. <laughs> led to this. She opened the door to us talking about... Man. we You know what? We could easily just abandon Avatar. We'll just spend the next 14 weeks talking about fucking... Not even, like, watching any of these uh, fucking TV miniseries, but just talking about what we remember seeing just from the ads and shit like that. Jesus yeah, Christ, Lonesome yeah. Dove's got Morticia Adams in it. Mm. Really? Oh, you yeah. mean by more? Is that um? Oh God, Angelica Houston. Yeah. Yeah, because that's totally of that era. Doesn't it have like? It's got a shit ton of people. Uh, Tommy Lee know, Jones is in there. Yeah. Yeah. Ricky Schroeder, Tommy Lee Jones. Mm-hmm. Chris Cooper. Chris Cooper. Pretty much, if you got a Western-style face, you're, you were in Scott there. William Sanderson, and William yeah. Sanderson, kids come running for the great taste of William Sanderson. Oh, they love it. They can't get enough of it. He, him Robert being the Duvall, guy from... Danny Glover, Robert Dan Duvall, that's, that's, I remember Robert Duvall in the ads, and I love Robert Duvall. Yeah. God, yeah, hit us up with your memories of, of TV miniseries. Because it's so weird, because like, as soon as like the 21st century stopped, like... Yeah, well... As unless as like, you re- unless you recorded it off the TV, you saw it that one time and then it was yeah. done. Well, and it's so weird because the like as soon as like the the clock turned to midnight on the morning of like January first, two thousand, it's like TV miniseries has got like outlawed because they suddenly stopped. I know they were kind of dwindling in popularity all throughout the nineties, but like. I have never seen an ad for a TV miniseries since like two thousand. Like it just yeah. suddenly stopped. And, like, I'm sure there were subs still out there, and I'm sure that, like, like the Sci-Fi Channel originals and stuff kind of picked up that well, slack. Think, yeah, I think a like, lot of them moved on to, like, HBO and shit with, like, Band exactly, of Brothers and whatnot. Yeah. Well, yeah, and, and TV miniseries became more of a prestige thing, whereas, like, yeah, the kind of dumpy science fiction ones just kind of wound up, like, being ghettoed on, on the Sci-Fi Channel. But, like, yeah, when NBC would, like, pump lots of money into this, like, stupid shit, like... Yeah. They were like, we got some people that told us they were good at TV, uh, at computers. <laughs> Turns so. out they were completely wrong, but we've already invested the money, so I guess we gotta put this out. Mm-hmm. The Tenth Kingdom. Man, there's... Some of the music kind of reminds me of some of the music of when I, in, in Castlevania Symphony of the Night. So whenever I'm playing Castlevania Symphony of the Night, I'm always like, oh man, the Tenth Kingdom rocked. Mm. I don't know if it actually sounds like the music from the Tenth Kingdom. I need to go back and, and see... 
yeah, but you know. So it it was a I mean man it. that was like yeah 1990 that was a huge like that was fucking that the that it miniseries probably sold more Stephen King books than anything else in the world ever had even yeah. though that was a terrible miniseries that's also funny too because it like it is like super rated arc of course it's a Stephen King thing but like they had to make it like G rated so they could show it like on a Sunday night at eight o'clock like mm-hmm. r- running against like America's funniest home videos. Yeah. And so, oh, man. man. The stand. The stand, yeah. They had M-O-O-N, the M-O-O-N, that spells spoon. Oh, the Tommy Knockers is one of the worst things ever put on television. I would just, oh, it's the Langoliers is the TV oh, that one. Yeah. yeah, that's maybe that's what I'm thinking of. <laughs> There's a couple. Of, I can't remember. They, they kept trying to they, put Stephen King shit on TV. Why? Well, after it was did so well, they were like, what else can we do on a TV budget? And yeah. there was the Timey Knockers and the Langoliers, which bo- I know they both became miniseries. I was in a TV airport. One of those is very TV or is very airport related. So it was kind of funny to be like at, a, at an airport while they were while watching this like Stephen King. Adaptation. Yeah, that's the one with Kaz- Cousin Balky or the other that's, guy. That's yeah. What, what, is I think wait, there's like I was CGI flying heads and which, shit like that. Whichever that one was... says you look ridiculous. <laughs> whichever one that one was. Man, I just saw a photo of Cousin Balky and and cousin Larry together, what they look like now compared to back in the day, and both. Oh those no, guys, time! Know, it was time kind of funny because it was it was actually it was actually cousin. Uh, no, it was Balky Bartakabus. He was almost unrecognizable because he's gotten fat mm. since then. Good but, for like, him. Cousin Larry, he just still <laughs> looks like life. himself now. He's just gray-haired and bald, but like, mm. yeah. But he still looks like it's just what you think cousin Larry would look like thirty years later. But you know. Mm-hmm. Anyway. <laughs> anyway, that's Avatar. <laughs> that's Avatar: The Last Airbender. Next time we're talking about 101 Dalmatians. Oof. Oof, hey, it's better than the other stuff we could be talking about in it Disney through worse. the decades. And I, I still like that 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 Xerox rough animation art style. I, I think that's very interesting. Yeah. Um. Oh, I should also point out too. I almost forgot that the, uh, it's funny because when we first announced that we're doing Avatar stuff on the podcast like two episodes ago, mm-hmm. I was talking about how it might be good timing because with supposedly Netflix still doing Avatar stuff and the Avatar guys doing their own Avatar stuff, there should be, for the first time, by the by the time we're done with Avatar, there should be more news about the world of Avatar for the first time since Legend of Korra went off the air. Because pretty much since the Le- Legend of Korra went off the air in like 2014, yeah, the world of Avatar has been dead. There, Dark Horse has been putting out some comics. But aside from that, it's just, it's just been fucking quiet. Aside from the Avatar Last Airbender guys exiting the Netflix live action show because they were like, oh man, they're fucking up. We can't be a part of this. It was announced this week as if right on time. Like after like, yeah, like a week after I mentioned that, after we recorded that, it was mentioned uh, that Netflix announced that the casting for their, I guess their live action adaptation of the Avatar Last Airbender TV show is still going on, and it's going to start filming in November. And mm. they announced the principal cast. They announced a live-action cast for Aang, Katara, Zuko, and Sokka. And so it's like, well, I guess I guess it's still going on. And they also announced like the showrunners, and there's like 15 showrunners, which they still haven't announced. This I mean, my biggest question about that has always been, um, who's it for? Yeah, why? Well, who's it for? But also, like, are they? Is it just going to be like an episode by episode remake? Because they said it's a series, so is it just, like, like a year from now, are we going to be watching, like, the live-action version of King Boomy, the King Boomy episode, 
which is going to be followed by the live-action version of The Imprisoned, with Katara making a plea to a bunch of people, and then Aang says, hey guys, you could use coal. <laughs> then, like, is it going to be, or are they going to condense it, or what the hell are they doing? Yeah, I don't and, know. And, especially with kids, because the cast they found, like, the kid who's playing Aang is, like, 12 years old. Like, because the Sokka and Katara are both, like, like their early teens. Like, they pretty much would have to be forced to film all three seasons at the same time. Otherwise, the kids are going to grow up too much in between the seasons. Especially if they're sticking to the thing of, like, the structure of the, the cartoon, which is, like, the whole series has to take place within six months. I think the live-action movie made by uh, Shyamalan, I think they changed it so that, like, Sozin's Comet was supposed to come within, like, three or five years. Mm. So they could ex that would explain that, like, why the characters might grow up a couple years in between the films back when they were still thinking about making, like, a trilogy of live-action Avatar film. But, yeah, and the most interesting thing about this casting is they actually hired native, like, it's actual brown people this time. Mm -hmm. uh, that That's one of the big issues people had with the Shyamalan casting was that it was just a bunch of white people. and that's like, oh, Except for the right. villains who are all brown. Except for the, except for uh, Dev Patel who played, yeah, who played Zuko. Um, and, but yeah, this time, yeah, there's a Filipino kid who's playing uh, Aang. Uh, there's two uh, Native people, Native American folks who are playing uh, Katara and Sokka, and a uh, uh, Chinese-Canadian dude who's playing uh, uh, Zuko, which that's, mm. yeah, good. That's that. at least the casting seems to be pretty spot on. And so, yeah, we'll find out. I, like, <sighs> this could be terrible. We'll find out, but... Yeah, Probably. there's that news, and the only uh, the other thing that's happened is, uh, since we started recording, there was announcement of there's a Kickstarter for an officially licensed Avatar The Last Airbender tabletop role-playing game. Uh, Kickstarter goes on until, mm. I think it's the first week of September. And yeah, it is just like, you can play, it's a tabletop role-playing game in which you can play uh, in any era you want. You can play in the era of Aang, you can play in, in the era of Roku, like 100 years before the, the 100 years uh, war. And then, or you can play in the, the, the era of... Uh, of uh, Korra, like, you know, a generation later. And the actually the most interesting thing about that, I'm um, hopefully the game will be good. The most interesting thing about the Kickstarter thing, though, is there's a Kickstarter pitch video, which seems to be a combination of clips from The Legend of Korra mixed with either remastered or redrawn clips from Avatar The Last Airbender drawn in HD. Uh, which that would be the first new Avatar animation we would have seen because it looks like some of that stuff looks like it's like re recreating old standard definite animation in, in HD. So that's like the first new Avatar animation we've seen since Legend of Korra has gone off the air. And it's funny just to see that buried within a uh, a pitch video for a Kickstarter kickstarted <laughs> Avatar role playing game. Hmm. But yeah, that's out there and that should be pretty cool. And yeah, so it's funny that yeah we just happen to be mentioning how there could be the first motion in the world of Avatar for the first time in almost a decade. And that started to happen right after we started this show. So, And those kids are. are reaching nostalgia age. Our time is dwindling down on all the shit we're nostalgic for. I mean, Avatar so. itself, again, it's almost 15 years old, so the kids who were 12 when that came out would be almost 30 now. Yeah, so they're getting their disposable income, age. so you gotta that's, get it out there while you can. And they've, they're they getting their own kids right now, and they want, oh, yeah, get shit, those Get right. those Funko Pops out with those Man. creepy dead eyes.
I know some people right now are like, oh man, I can't believe I'm old enough. There are people out there having nostalgia for for Power Rangers. And I'm like, Power Rangers was like 25, 30 years ago. The people who grew up with Power Rangers are like almost like 40 now. Of course there's going to be nostalgia for that shit. We've just had to suffer through 20 years of nostalgia for Star Wars shit. Of course there's going to be nostalgia for like 90s shit. Yeah, so. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But yeah, I didn't even think about like there being yeah, like the people who grew up with Avatar now now getting to be that age of like, yeah, the kids of their own and disposable income. And for that I say congratulations and welcome. To please take over from us because we can't <laughs> fucking I'm, We can't I'm, afford it anymore. I'm someone who lives I'm seriously my job is catering to eighties nostalgia and even I'm just like, we gotta move on. We can't fucking our shit's no. our age is over. So mm-hmm. But yeah, so that's that's Avatar Last Airbender. Yeah, next week will be 101 Dalmatians. Did you see the Cruella movie? Fuck no, man. Oh. No. I don't know all how I need to know is that uh, Dalmatians killed her mom, and that's all that I need to know from that. Also, Cruella saw... has kind of a relationship with the older henchman, the taller henchman, kind of, which is weird, mm-hmm. but yeah. Oh, I, I saw the, the live-action remake back in the day. Oh, shit, I forgot about that. Yeah. Yeah, with that's not Angelica Houston. That's uh, no. What's Glenn Close? Which I kept expecting her to show up in the Cruella movie. Mm. Just as a little nod. And there was one bit where I thought she was because there's a perfect like place for her to show up as a cameo in that movie, and it never happened. But nope. Emma Stone grows up into Glenn Close. So. <sighs> Godspeed to you, Emma Stone. Godspeed. <laughs> Is that a bad thing? I don't know. <laughs> I only know about Glenn Close is she wouldn't she wouldn't hook. That's all I, don't, I know about Glenn Close. I don't get the... I, neither of them are... I hate to say this, but they're not my type, so I don't... You know. Well, Emma Stone and uh, Glenn Close? Yeah. I could see Emma Stone. Like, the fact that Glenn Close was in... Uh, uh, what's the... Uh, what's the the one where she's all obsessed with somebody? Oh, Fatal Attraction! What? It's, Fatal Attraction? Yeah, it's funny, because I only know Glenn And I was Close. like, I was always like, oh, no. I think that's Glenn Close. <laughs> I think so, too. All I know is Glenn Close, she's an old woman now, so that's all uh-huh. I know about her. Cause she, and then she played, she was on Hook, so all I know is Glenn Close with a beard <laughs> when she's yeah. 90 years old. So it's funny to think that, like, her being a sexy lady in a sexy thriller, like, Fatal Attraction, I'm like, but she, she an old pirate with a beard. How she go be sexy? Yeah. yeah. Um, anyway. Yeah. Anyway. Oh! <laughs> mm, uh-oh. <laughs> this is nothing to do... I tricked my housemates into watching La La Land last night. Oh, yeah. And my housemates were f- making fun of Emma Stone for having, like, these, like, big-ass E.T. eyes. Mm-hmm. But they were also making fun of the fact that fucking... Fucking... Uh, Ryan Gosling has tiny little beady eyes. And they were like, oh, wow, yeah. actually, if they have kids, they'll actually have kids with, like, normal-sized eyes. Because, you know. There's another man. I to, to, I don't get the people, because he always just looks bored. Ryan Gosling? And, yeah, he's always yeah. just like, hey... Even well, a Blade Runner, he's like, eh, "How you doing? Yeah. I got a gun." The, not, not him. But the way I realized that I'm the straightest of straight and have no inkling towards hot dudes at all is that I saw Inception, and uh, Tom Hardy came on screen, and like everybody was like, "Ooh!" Uh, and I'm like, I forgot. I'm like, that, I, yeah. my, my mind was like, "That dude's kind of weird looking." Nothing at all for that man. That dude got big weird and, lips. What's and going on? Everybody with else apparently lo- loved him. You're but talking I'm to like, the wrong person talking about oh, yeah. Tom Hardy, because like Tom Hardy, I just yeah. 
Somebody the other day was talking about, like, if you go back in time and make it so that, like, Mel Gibson was in the latest Mad Max rather than Tom Hardy, would you do it? And I was like, <laughs> even though Mel Gibson's a horrible racist, I still prefer him, even old racist Mel Gibson, at least at least as a performer, to Tom Hardy. Because I did not care for Tom Hardy in that last Mad Max. Yeah, no, I, I'm, I'm with you with, like, kind of being shoulder shruggy about Tom Hardy. Yeah. If it ain't yeah. Daniel Craig, you got nothing to do with it. But even with Daniel Craig, with the, I can appreciate the ass. Mm. So, like, even that kid, I can... <laughs> He got a foot. <laughs> we should probably wrap this up. We, should wrap, we stopped talking about Avatar an hour ago. I know. Like, it's all been just talking about TV miniseries and <laughs> flip-floppy river dongers. And... Uh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. Now I need to go look up clips. Would they even oh. be able to show that on YouTube? Rick, Ricky Shorter's big fat dong hanging out. I don't out. think it was Ricky Shorter. I think it was just some random guy. Yeah, going no, across. just one of the one of the, the like I can't see the guy's face, but like one of the subtitles on the Google image search said something about R R Ricky Shorter. Yeah, Ricky Shorter's big fat dong slipping out, <laughs> slapping against the horn of that fucking saddle. That just seems like the most buck naked on the back of a leather saddle. Just seems like no fun. Like no. in the, in a river with like maybe <laughs> just trying to crawl up your butthole. Well. <sighs> Oh, these jokes made me tired. <laughs> okay, we oh. gotta go. I don't think Bill even picked up that I was referencing the first episode we watched today. Wait, what did... Because that's what Bloomer say? said. He says, oh, these jokes are making me tired. Oh, okay. So I... Such a classic line I know. King Boomy. Yeah. He's mother on Twitter. Yeah, I'm the okay. Grub Eternal. Tired Eternal Podcast on Twitter. I'm doing Disney cartoons and have a tardy to the party now, so... Yeah. Check them out. Let us know your thoughts. All that girl, you go, 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 go do. Yeah, and I guess the Disney through the, the collections, did, did, oh, well, the Disney through the decades collection link is a little bit less essential now, since yeah. we're just pretty much going to be hitting the highlights. Yeah. There's less, less fussing about like, oh no, we have to like sift through the Disney through the decades collection, because yeah, we are now just pretty much doing the movies you would hit if you were mm -hmm. just talking about all the Disney classics. But yeah, we still have a link to the Disney through the collections on the ontardoftheparty.com. Uh, tardypodcast.com that's what it is so yeah. click that link if you yeah if you, if you even just want to yeah just look at the stuff we've done in the past that's always yeah. yeah and uh is your map for sale bill on this one it was i should check because oh god was it bottleneck gallery was selling prints for the longest time mm. i don't know if they have it for sale because i went looking and i couldn't find it Oh, okay. I should just sell it myself if I had any brains, especially now with Avatar coming back. Yeah. Oh well, I but should... keep an eye on Bill's Twitter. See if you can buy the Avatar map. Yeah, because I still have the files out. Well, one of the terrible things too is I made the print file for that map available before Bottleneck ever even picked it up, mm. and so like that print file, like you could buy prints of that prints of that map other places, but I'll yeah. see if I can make uh make it available. Yeah. Yeah. My shit. So. Yeah, and I'll be trying to post a little excerpt from that map so we can follow along the, the, the Angang's journey through the world of Avatar on that map whenever we post new episodes on, on Twitter. Yeah! You check that yeah. out. I didn't until then. Like, like I said, these jokes made me tired, so uh, um, get the hell out of here, I guess. <laughs> I guess that's it. We got kind of like how uh, Susan's comic this coming in six months... The end of Avatar is coming with by the end of February. It actually is almost the same kind of time frame, like six months from now. Yeah. So we gotta, yeah, we gotta get, we get get rested up for the rest of our fight for the next six months. So yeah. Goodbye. <laughs>
Welcome to Frost. Adios, bitches. <laughs> okay. I'm just gonna jump out of the car. Mm. Aggressive. Be aggressive. Be aggressive.